Well, I have an assignment this morning, and, and uh, I don't know if this will end our altars uh, series or not. We'll see. Uh, you know, I'm kind of always open to what, you know, our, our apostle, so to speak, our apostle Paul of our house, Dr. Savell, and what the Lord gives him. And, and for this new word, it may, it may change courses or whatever. I'm just always sensitive. Uh, I, don't, I don't go by my sermons online. I don't look at, you know, different things. I just I always want to be sensitive because... Because it's, it's important for us to, to, what is the kingdom of heaven saying? And what is, as a shepherd, that's what I am, I'm a shepherd. You know, what do we need as a church? You know, I, I'm, I'm here to, to, to feed, I'm here to guide, I'm here, here to direct. And, and, and like I said, we've been, we've been talking about altars for, remember, I think this is probably the 10th message I've done on altars, and we learned so much about altars, and really it's opened my eyes to things I never really saw pertaining to altars, and and I've learned a lot of good things about you. Amen. And, um, but about four weeks ago, uh, just praying over, Lord, what, just different things on, or how, where where do you want to go next, and what's, what's going on, and he'll usually just drop some words in my heart, and I'll study on those things, and, and then eventually I know I'll get to some of the other things. About four weeks ago, the Lord dropped something in my heart, and he said, you need to deal with this um, because it's probably it, it, it is hindering the body of Christ <clears throat> for the body of Christ being all that is meant to do be. And it's also hindering the believer from stepping into all what they're supposed to step into. Go to uh, Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11. Thank you, Father. Now, we learned taking the Old Testament and then knowing as a type and shadow of the New Testament, and we went into Hebrews chapter 13, and we learned that Jesus is our altar. We have an altar, is what it, is what it says. And it talks about, and it says, we go unto him. So, and that him, so that altar is not just a place that we can go in the front of a church, but it is a person that we go to. And here in Matthew chapter 11, Verse 27, and the King James says, All things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father except the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So here he says, come unto me. So talking about the altar, it's a place that we go unto. So why can we come? Well, why does he say come unto me? Well, I believe verse 27 gives us that answer. Because all things have been entrusted and delivered to me. See, we can come... Come into him. Why? Because Jesus is saying, the Father has given me all things and has trusted all things to me. So Jesus is saying, because the Father has given me all things and entrusted all things to me, I want you to come unto me if you're heavy laden. And, and, and what happens? I will take the all things that I have and what I have, I'm going to give you. And what I give you, I'm going to give you rest. So we've learned that the altar is a place where we can receive rest. It's a place where we receive forgiveness. It's a place where we are released from our past mistakes. It's a place where we're released from past sins. It's a, it's a place where we receive and it's a place where release happens. 
But as I was praying over this a couple weeks ago, the Lord said, said, it's not just a place where you receive. It's not a place. It's not about what you release and what you receive all the time, but it's also about who you release. And he said, and he told me this, he goes, we have to come to a place in the body of Christ and in believers where we don't allow unforgiveness to hinder our future. You see, the altar isn't just a place where we receive forgiveness, but it also has to be a place where we release forgiveness. What does the word forgiveness mean? The word forgiveness in, in just in the, in the Hebrew, the very simple definition in the, in the, actually in the Greek is to let it go and let it drop. It's not, I'll let it go and remember it three weeks later. Then you really haven't forgiven. <laughs> now this is a pastoral message this morning. You know, we shouted just a minute ago, praise the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. But this message this morning, I'm telling you, will propel our lives higher. Jesus modeled. He taught it. He didn't just teach it. He modeled it. Let's go to Matthew chapter six. It's doing some teaching this morning. Don't want to don't want to rush. Sometimes I, I look at the clock and I, I kind of like, oh, get in a hurry. Matthew chapter 6, <clears throat> verse 9. He says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, now we read that and we know this is Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray. And, and we know we love this scripture because, I mean, think about it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be his name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as is in heaven. Wow, what a prayer. That what's in heaven would be in the earth. What a, what a, what a declaration. See, Jesus, what is a place of prayer? A place of prayer is a place at the altar. So if we look at this, that anytime we go to God, and it, like I said, it's not just this piece of furniture, but it's any place we go to God, we come boldly to the throne of grace. That is a position at the place of an altar. And so a place of prayer is a place of, of an altar. And he's saying, so when you go there, say, our Father who art in heaven, and he, and he goes on and on and on. Give us this day our daily bread. How many people want your daily bread? Nothing. Give us our daily bread. We want our bread. See, we can shout about his, what's in heaven to be in the earth. And we can shout about Lord. Oh, give me my bread. Give me my daily bread. What I, the bread I need, the manna I need from heaven, the word I need right now, the, 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 the provisions for my life, the, the prosperity I need in my life. Give me the the things and the resources that are going to bring me to a place of supplying all of my need. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We, we can shout about that and, and we can praise God for that. But a lot of times we'll confre- confess things, but do we really know what we're confessing? Because, you know, there's a lot of people, especially if you grew up Catholic, you know the Lord's Prayer. All of us really probably, how many people know the Lord's Prayer, right? But now, now what is Jesus teaching here? Then he says this, and forgive us of our debts. As we forgive our debtors. Hmm. Now we want our debts forgiven. 
See, come to the altar and receive your debts forgiven. But what about releasing someone else's debts? And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power and the glory forever. Bless his holy name. But then what does Jesus say? For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. Wow. So here are seven verses that Jesus is teaching here. And three of them have to do with us releasing someone. Three of them have, have, have everything to do with our, our ability to forgive and our ability to release. Let's go back a chapter to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Now, you know, looking at the, what we call these the Beatitudes, and I, I, I'd rather refer to them as the, these are the changer attitudes. Because Jesus is taking uh, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 to change how we are to think. Because there's a new kingdom coming. There's a new kingdom. He, he taught and preached the kingdom of God. So when he taught, he was always sharing with them how God's kingdom operates, not how we think it should operate. Not the way that the Sadducees or the Pharisees or the Sanhedrin were doing things, but this is how things should be done. Actually, let's look at verse 22. Actually, verse 21, he says, You have heard that it is said by them of old time that thou shalt not kill, and whoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, so this is what you heard, but this is what I'm saying. But I say to you that whoever is angry... Now, now let, me, let me make this preface for a second. Now, before I go further. Now, when Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, that wasn't necessarily referring to how we look at yokes. See, Jesus was a rabbi, and they were looking to him as a rabbi. And a rabbi's ability... I'm getting off on this. The rabbi's... A rabbi's yoke was there the way they interpreted Torah. Does that make sense? So they were a rabbi and a rabbi had a way they interpreted Torah and how God was teaching them Torah and that became their yoke. So when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he was talking about take my teaching upon you. He, he take, take my way of seeing God, take my way of how God does things and how the kingdom of God operates. So now if you read make that script, take my yoke upon you, well, what's his yoke? We would think yokes being destroyed and all that, right? We, we think of that. So now when you understand, he said, take my yoke upon you. Now you, that scripture makes a little more sense because now you see the yoke was his teaching. And what? Learn of me? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me? And what you learn from me, you're going to receive rest for your souls, meaning what I'm teaching you is going to affect you spirit, soul, and body. So when Jesus was teaching them, he was giving everyone around them his yoke. Yoke is, is thing that would, would direct, direct oxen. 
in, 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 in doing a heart or, or, or planting seed. And so, what he, what, so this is what he's saying. He's giving us his yoke. So he is saying, he's saying, but I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever shall say to this brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Now he's saying now, look, you, you, you say it's wrong to kill. But Jesus is saying... But Jesus is saying it's wrong for it to even have the thought against your brother in your heart. So Jesus said, if you can deal with the thought, you'll never do the action. So they were always worried about just the action. But Jesus was saying, hey, Jesus always dealt with the heart of a person. So if I can deal with the heart, then I can affect their, their, their then I can affect their actions. So Jesus is one thing to see that it's not just about don't kill. He's saying, hey, don't even have a thought about murder against your brother. Because if you have a thought against it, you've already committed the act. So Jesus wants to cut off. That's why he goes on a little further and, and says that, that you say you should not commit adultery. But he, says to, but, it, but he says, but I say to you, whoever looks at a woman with lust in her eyes has already committed the act. So Jesus wasn't worried about the action necessarily as the thought because he knew if I can deal with the heart, then I can change the action. And so for often Christianity has been talking about actions instead of dealing with heart. And people are trying to perfect their actions instead of renewing their mind. If we can renew our mind, we renew our heart. If we renew our heart, then we'll change the actions. So, so stop trying to focus on trying to be good. Or trying to be better or trying to be righteous. No, no, just allow the word of God to transform you because it's in the transformation that all of a sudden now your actions will catch up to your heart. And so, so that's what Jesus is trying to deal with. He's dealing with the heart situation here in verse 23. I said all that to say this. Therefore, if you bring thy gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother has aught against you. Leave there your gift before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Now, giving is, is, is a godly thing, right, Terry? Give and you shall receive. As long as the earth remains, there's seed time and harvest. As a man, you know, if you scatter, he who scatters much, what? Will reap much. We, 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 we know these things, but here he says, if you bring your gift to the altar, but yet when you get to the altar, you remember that your brother has aught against you. There's something on the inside of you that's saying something's not right. And what does he say? Leave the gift there. Go make it right with your brother. Now come back and present your gift. See, we want increase, we want abundant overflow, we want breakthrough, but there are some things in our heart that we need to go make right and then come back and present the gift. Jesus modeled and Jesus taught all about forgiveness. Let's look at Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, you know, we, we, as word of faith, we we believe in Mark chapter 11. We believe that Mark chapter 11 is, is how, how God, I believe, created the heaven and the earth. 
with, with believing in the heart and speaking with his mouth. We see the God kind of faith. We see how he, Jesus is, he, he had just cursed a fig tree. And they, and they, they came back and, and he cursed the fig tree and he said, no more, no man shall eat fruit of you hereafter. And he turns around and he walks away. They're, they're going on to where they're, where, where they're headed. The next day they come back that tree and they, they see it withered. There's a master that, you know, we, we see the, the tree withered at its roots and, and they're like, well, how, how do we do this? And, and immediately we, we see, we see Mark chapter 11, verse 22, he says, and Jesus replying said, have faith in God. So this is scripture about faith. So we know that the altar is a place where we can receive faith. It's in a place where we can release faith, right? This, this chapter is all about prayer and faith. Have faith in God constantly. This is the amplified. Truly, I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt at all in his heart, but believes that what he says will take place. It will be done for him. Wow. This mountain to be thrown into the sea. If I don't doubt in my heart, but believe that what he says will take place, it will be done for him. For this reason, I'm telling you, whatever you ask in prayer, or you could say this, whatever you ask in prayer at the altar, believe that it is granted to you and what you will get it right. So prayer and faith cause me to inherit the promise, right? But you know what? Jesus didn't stop speaking. Because the very next verse says, and, and, and he says, and whenever you are praying. So we know he's not talking about another subject here. He's still talking about prayer and he's talking about faith. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him and let it drop, leave it, let it go in order that your father who is, who is in heaven may also forgive you of your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your failings and your shortcomings. Wow. So Jesus taught forgiveness. He taught the importance of forgiveness being a heart issue. But not only did he teach it, he modeled it. He modeled it. I can, I can show you some examples, but the most probably predominant example we can see is when he's on the cross, nail pierced hand, nail pierced hands, nail pierced feet, crown of thorns on his head. Just a few hours before his beard ripped out, spit on, mocked and ridiculed. Yet with arms wide open, blood pouring down from his side and everywhere, he says, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. You see, he modeled it. You know, he had to, the thing is, is Jesus never did things Jesus was a man just like you and me. And he, he understood of what unforgiveness would do for his present and for his future. 
If he's looking at those people that look, nothing. A lot of times when we, we talk about, let me, let me say this. Thank you, father. The, what is the root to unforgiveness? The root for unforgiveness comes down to either strife or offense. You won't forgive because you're offended. You won't forgive because you have strife. Now, so often in our life, we can feel justified by our offense. How justified could Jesus be with arms stretched wide coming to die on the cross for all humanity? He could have, you know, if I was Jesus, I'd be looking at them. You're idiots. Didn't you read Isaiah? (laughs) Bethlehem, the root of Jesse, come from David, Bethlehem, house of bread. Okay, even a week before this, I rode on a donkey. So didn't you read Zechariah? I mean, he could be, he could be so justified by being offended at the people he was meant to change. But, but the thing is, is if Jesus had offense in his heart, there's no way he could have done what he did for me. I see offense, unforgiveness, strife, unforgiveness in a heart is a hindrance to greater things. Jesus had to model this. I mean, he could have, he could have, he, he could have looked at different ones and, and, you know, they're trying to stone him after he stands up and, and thinks that, Hey, this day it's fulfilled in your ears. And he sits down because he read Isaiah 61. Hey, the anointed one, the one that you've been waiting for thousands of years, Woo-hoo, I'm him, but yet they pick up rocks, try to stone him and throw him off a cliff. But what does he do? He just walks through the crowd. You know, I I think if it was me, I would have been like, who do you, do you know who I am? I am the Emmanuel. I'm the God with you and you want to kill me. But the thing is, is his plan wouldn't be fulfilled if unforgiveness found root of bitterness in Jesus's heart. Jesus knew that, that, that unforgiveness in a heart keeps you from greater things. I mean, you can look at the whole Old Testament from really the, the, the journey from the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and on their journey to the promised land. The biggest thing that kept them out from 11 day journey that took 40 years to do. It was 11 day journey and it took them 40 years going around the same mountain because they were offended at God. They were offended at Moses. Why'd you bring us out here to die? I mean, and and so the thing is, is they were hindered from the promised land because they were offended. What's hindering you from your promised land? Because you can't, you can't really forgive someone. 
What's hindering breakthrough because you're offended at someone and, and you even are justified in your offense. Well, they, they did this to me and they abused me and they stole from me and they did that. And she did this and she said that, and this happened. And, and, and another thing, God, why'd you let this happen? I'm hitting all of us where we are because there's not one of us that haven't in the back of our minds somewhere when something bad's happened that we haven't thought somehow we're, we're, God, why is this happening? And ultimately what we're saying, God, you let this happen. Now you may never say that to my face. You may never say that out loud, but deep down in the heart, there's something on the inside of us that, that still we're questioning God. Are still questioning why God, how come you're letting them get away with that? Don't you see they, they, they did this to me. Offense is, is huge. It's, it's a big deal. You know, I, you know, David was David, you know, in Psalms, I think it's 51. He, he talks about how the noise of the enemy was all around him and he wish he could escape and he wish he could get away and, and, and run away from it. If I could just go to the desert, then everything will be fine. And, and he said, and then he goes, you know, it wasn't, he wasn't what my enemy, he said, but it was the person that I walked how hand to hand with to the house of God. You know, you're not going to be offended by someone you're not in a relationship with because you really don't care. David said it was, he goes, it was a man, my equal. And we walked hand in hand to the house of God with. David had to, David had to deal with that offense. I mean, offense is, this unforgiveness is a, it's something that we all have to check our hearts and we step into this next season of what God has for our lives. I mean, we live in a society where we pride ourselves on our offense. I mean, we hold on to offense. I mean, everything, if you look around, everything is about, I'm mad at you and you're mad at me and we hate you. No, And all it is, is the enemy trying to get people mad and upset at each other. It's the enemy. And I could go in and I could share some things about the roots of some of these things. I know Pastor Carla could. But the bottom line is it's the enemy is so subtle that he wants to get in your heart, get in the body of Christ's heart to keep the body of Christ from being the explosive instrument it was always meant to be. You know, Jesus, even in his own hometown, it said he could do no mighty work and work there. I think Mark's account of this that said, because they were offended in him. You're, you're Joseph's son. Offense. It's a hindrance, a blessing blocker. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Thank you, Lord. So Jesus taught it. Jesus modeled it. Ephesians 4. You know, the Apostle Paul taught it and modeled it. And Galatians, I'll get to Ephesians here in a moment. Just talking out of my heart mostly this morning. But, you know, Paul in Galatians 5, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the, 
and he talks about the works of the flesh. And he says, these are the works of the flesh. And one of them is strife. See, to hold on to offense and strife is a work of your flesh. There's not one time that God's ever going to say that you're justified in your offense. And I can hear, I can, some of you deep down, you're like screaming. You're like, ah, yes, I can. It keeps you, I mean, thank you, Father. Dr. Savell tells a story it happened a long, long time ago, and, and the story has stayed with me. And now when I bring this up, I don't want you to think that this necessarily was the cause of sickness, because then people will make a doctrine out of this, and that's not the point. Because he had some friends that uh, lived in the middle of the USA, and they were pastors, and long, long-time friends of the Savells. And, um, and they got a phone call from the family, and the family said, hey, you know, we've, um, my wife has cancer and we're walking through this and it's not a good report. And the doctors are pretty much saying they can't do anything else. And, and they've, they've pretty much taken their hands off everything. And, and they said, doctor, will you come and will you pray? And, and so he, he was, I think he was on his way to another city that wasn't too far there. So he left early and he went up there and he spent a few days with them and he went into the hospital there in ICU and He's talking to the husband and the wife and they're talking, they're reading scriptures and, you know, he's doing what he knows to do about the word. You know, you know, we anoint with oil, you know, lay hands on the sick and, and all the things that we know through, through scriptural truths and, and those types of things. But sometimes when you do those things, yet there's still, you're still waiting on a word from God. It's like, I'm doing what I know the word says to do, but now I need a specific word. You know, Jesus got specific words sometimes, like sometimes it was spit on a man's eyes. Um, sometimes it was spit in the ground, make mud and put it in his eyes. So things happen different ways. What he was, he was sitting back and he was waiting for a word from God. He wants to be led by the spirit. So Dr. Spill goes and he takes two days and just ministering to the family, praying with them, reading scripture and, 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 and encouraging them. And he, but yet something on the inside of Dr. Savell was like, something's not right. I'm not sure what it is. And, and he just spent some more time praying about it. And, and so that particular night after he had got home from the hospital, he, uh, he, he just prayed and sought the Lord, and the Lord revealed to him exactly what was going on. And the Lord spoke to him clearly, and he said, said this to Dr. Savelli, and said, said, the woman, the wife, has offense in her heart, and she's had offense in her heart for a long time. And said, if she releases it, repents, and lets, let it, and lets it go, she will be healed immediately. That was the word to Dr. Savell about this lady. She, 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 she's, he's known these families for a long time. He didn't know anything that was happening, anything that was going on. So the next day he's got a word from God and, and we're going to, we're, he, he's like, okay, I'm, I'm ready. And, but yet at the same time, he's kind of questioning because it's like, um, you know, you, you, sometimes it's easier to give someone a word that is encouragement and then, and, and then give them a word of you got to change something. See, we like those itching ears, just make me feel good messages. But when it challenges us to change, sometimes, uh, you mean I can't just, I just can't confess it and it's going to just happen? No, you, maybe you need to get, get a job. I mean, maybe that, that, that. He blesses everything you set your hand to. 
it's another message. But so, so here he was, he's in the, he's, he's in this room and he, and he communicates exactly what the Lord told him to communicate. He's, she's got Dr. Zill's hand on one side of the bed. She's got her husband's hand on the other. And he says to her what the Lord told him. And all of a sudden she let go of her husband's hand, looks at Dr. Savell and said, my husband did this 27 years ago and I will not forgive him and I will take it to the grave. I think it was less than a week later she died. She couldn't release. Here, a prophet from God comes to her and tells her exactly, and he didn't know that. He didn't know the situation. But yet, she'd been holding him in captivity, her husband in captivity for 27 years and wouldn't forgive him. And not only that, but she was holding herself in captivity. I remember in my own life, I went through some things a number of years ago. And, and like I said, we all have stories on how justified we can be on our offense. And I remember going through a difficult time and a challenging situation where someone had done something to me. And, and it was someone that, that I, I, I believed in. It was someone that um, I, I, I let them into my home. And they, they had gone through a tough circumstance and a tough situation. And I, I was ministering to them and, and, and encouraging them and brought them out of, you know, just the discouragement they were in and, and so forth. And, and But yet that person that I had ministered to, they turned around and did something to me. And, and it wasn't just something personally, it was something that, that other people knew about. It was something other people heard about. And, and, and it was something on the inside of my heart and the Lord all through it. He, he always said this to me in, in that process. He said, he said, he goes, Justin, if you keep your heart right, I can restore you. It's when you don't keep your heart right, you're, you're not allowing me to work in the situation. And, and, and I remember in this particular situation where, where, uh, you, because of how things happened, you know, I, I no longer had really communication. And so, you know, when you're offended at someone and someone hurt you, someone you want to, you want to hurt back, someone you want to hit back, someone you want to, I mean, Christmas story, get on their head and bam, you know, (laughs) I'm just being real. I mean, we, we've all had those, those, those emotions and we've had those, those feelings. And, and and I remember having that feeling and and it was like, you know, it's like, if I see that person. And I was so grateful that I could, I could stay in my bubble and not have to deal with it because I didn't have to see them. And so, so sometimes as long as, you know, you know, you don't see the person that, that, you know what, that doesn't mean the offense isn't there. And it, it came, it came time for a situation that happened and, and it, we had, we had a mutual friend, uh, of this, this other person and, and I was so glad they had moved and, and so glad that I didn't have to see them. So it was all good, you know? And, but they said, Hey, so-and-so is going to be in, in town and, um, I want you to, um, they've got something for you. I want you, I want you to pick it up from them. I'm like, can you send someone else? But I remember it was off of 20 in Campus Drive. There used to be a Sam's, Sam's Club there. And I'm sitting in the parking lot, and, and I knew what kind of car they drove. And, and so I'm, I'm, like, watching them take the exit, and I'm like, oh, that's them. Mm. Whoa. Um, and you have all sort of feelings hit you. All sort of emotions hit you. And as I see them, the Lord's saying, 
What are you going to do? Are you going to hold to it or are you going to release it? He goes, it's your choice, Justin. Naturally, I'm justified. And I could give you all the reasons on why I'm justified. And if I told you all the reasons I was justified, you'd be like, yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, sir. And, and um, you know, I was hoping may, maybe that's just a car that looks like his. And I'm, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? When he gets out, what am I going to do? And, he's, and, he, and this was the phrase, and I didn't say this in the first service, and this was the, the phrase he said. Now, look at this. He said, let me lead. Let you lead. Okay. Let you lead. So here I am. I'm, I have emotions, yet the Spirit of God is saying, let him lead, but I want to lead. Can I cut in? <laughs> and he gets out of the car. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a thought. I didn't have to think it. I, for, I just stretched my hand out. I looked him in the eye and said, I forgive you. And you know what happened? He broke. Because what he was coming to tell me was to ask me to forgive him. It's not about whether I wait for him to apologize. It's not about wives, husbands. There's no one up on each other. Well, I'm just going to wait till he apologizes. You're in sin. Well, he needs to, he need, he needs to say he's sorry for this. You're wrong. Well, I'm justified, Pastor, because he, he, he said that to me. You might be justified. Just like Jesus could have been justified. I know I mean, some people, it's like, I have every right to be upset because of what they did. You may have every right. In the natural. But you know what? They have every right to be forgiven. Just like you have every right to be forgiven. It's not marriage or relationships, church, whatever. It's not you scratch my back and I scratch your back. It's not keeping score. It's not keeping time. It's living all in. Giving all of that you have. Everything you have. All your heart. But the moment that offense sets in, all of a sudden now you have a part of your heart you can't give because you're holding on to that part. Thank you, Father. Ephesians 4. Verse 13, it says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith, and on the knowledge of the Son of God and unto a perfect man, unto the measure and the stature, stature of the fullness of Christ. So, so this is till he come, we all come in the fullness of Christ. That we henceforward no more be children tossed to and fro, carried about every wind of doctrine by the slight of men. So we're not being carried about by the slight of men. 
Meaning I'm not going to allow the slight of men and what men do to me to move me off the fullness of Christ. See, it talks about doctrine and we, we, we talk about winds of doctrine, that different doctrines are going to cause you to be up and down. But it also says the slight of men. I'm not going to let men move me away from what God wants to do. And cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. The enemy wants to lie in wait to deceive and by using the slight of men to do it. Verse 15 says, but speak the truth in love that you may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So this morning to all of us, myself included, I'm speaking the truth in love. So what? So we can grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together and comprehended by that, which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love. So what I'm ministering today is for the church to grow up and look like Jesus. But if we want to grow up and look like Jesus, we have to take his teachings and model his teachings. And he modeled this life and he taught this life of walking in forgiveness. Not holding offense. The second time, let's look at verse 21. He says, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off the concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to its deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So, so the thing is I have to do, I have to live different and do different than my old man, Right? Verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, wherefore putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. There's, there's also something that we have, we like to do as well is we like to lie to protect people's feelings. Wherefore, put away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Put away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor. So, but someone's saying, hey, hey, Trey, did I, did, did I upset you when I said that? Oh, no, you, you didn't upset me. I, no, it's, it's, it's all good. It's all good, Pastor. It's, it's all good that you said that. I can't believe he said that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I can't believe he said that at all. I'm telling you, it's. The enemy wants to come in and deceive. And, and what is he trying to do? He's trying to keep us from being a bodily body fitly joint together. So we have to get to a place of forgiveness so we can become the body we need to be. So you can have the marriage you need to have. So you can have the friends you need to have. So we can change the world. Thank you, Father. Verse, it says, be angry, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Meaning, yeah, you're going to have opportunities to be angry. But he says, don't sin. Don't, don't, don't use your anger to, 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 uh, as an opportunity to step outside of what you know is right. But then he says this, neither give place to the devil. The word place means... Position, location, opportunity, 
or power, and it means license. So when he says, neither give place, he's saying, neither give position to the devil, neither give opportunity to the devil, neither give power to the devil, neither give license to the devil. So when I hold on to offense, I'm now giving the enemy license to keep me idle. Now that I've all, if offense is my, I'm giving the enemy license to keep me broke. To keep me hurt. He says, give no place to the devil. This, this is such an important thing. And, and we can see in, you know, in the beginning of the book in Genesis chapter four, we see, we see Cain and Abel and we see how, how, how uh, Cain was, was, uh, was offended at God and was offended because his brother's offering was accepted and his wasn't. And, and God uses this statement directly with Cain's heart and, and Cain knew God's voice. Knew God's voice. He he knew because because of Adam. They knew knew God's voice. And here here he is. And and God says this to him. He goes he goes Cain. If you do right, if you do well. He goes first. He says this. He goes Satan. He goes sin crouches at the door. This is what God says to him. He goes he goes sin is crouching at the door, Cain. And he tells him you must master it. He's like say Armando. Hey. Hey, Satan is knocking on your door, the temptation. And he's saying, you've got to master it. You've got to master it. So the enemy was coming. The enemy was there. And God was saying, hey, hey, you've got to master this. You've got to get, you've got to get on top of this. You've got to take authority over this. You've got to do something different, Cain. You've got to stop thinking what you're thinking. And we know the rest of the story, how he went out and he killed his brother. But God was saying, master it. If he had mastered that, then Abel would have never died. He was giving the enemy place. And it's interesting what happened after, after that. If you keep reading a few verses, 12, 13, 14, and 15 of Genesis 4. It said that Cain became a wanderer. If you keep strife in your heart and you don't come to a place of forgiveness, all you will do the rest of your life is wander. If you don't master the offense, you'll just wonder. And I've seen this as a pastor for, for these many years. I've seen it. You will wander from church to church to church. You will wander from relationship to relationship to relationship. You will wander from one, one set of friends to another set of friends. All because of giving the enemy foothold. All right, I'll start to close with this. Thank you for pulling on the word today, teaching. Ephesians 4. Thank you, Father. Look at verse 31 for the sake of time. He says, let all bitterness... It could be offense, wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Wow. See, all this is after give no place to the enemy. 
Don't let bitterness or wrath or anger or clamor, evil speaking be put far from you. All malice. That's offense. Put it far from you and be kind one to another. Have a tender heart. I think that's something that we can all get back to is tenderness. Tenderness is just tenderness. A tender heart is always is sensitive to what God's leading. And what? And forgiving one another as God forgave you. Now I'll close with this. Psalms chapter 1. Thank you, Father. Psalms 1. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So how do you conquer strife and forgiveness? One, you have to recognize it. When you recognize it, you have to repent for holding on to it. The third thing you do have to, is to release it. How do you release it? You do it by faith. You walk by faith and not by your feelings. You choose to walk in love. And number three, how you release it is you accept God's grace to release it. It's not about you trying to release it yourself. It's in faith, by grace, in faith. Say, God, thank you for the strength for me to be able to release them from this. Psalms 1. He says, blessed is the man. Blessed. Are you blessed this morning? It says, blessed is the man that walks not. So the person that's blessed doesn't walk this way. The person that's blessed doesn't, as blessed does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. A person that's blessed doesn't stand in the way of sinners. And the person that's blessed doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. You see, if we hold on to unforgiveness in someone's life, then what you're doing is you are taking your seat in the seat of the scornful. I have a right to feel this way. I have a right to do this. I have a right to feel this way. That's being scornful. So the person that's blessed doesn't walk sit or stand that way. But what does they do? A person that's blessed does what? They delight in the law of the Lord. And in that word, do they meditate day and night? And he, that person that's blessed, that meditates in the word, they shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Wow. You see, when I choose to walk in forgiveness, then I'm choosing not to sit in the seat of the scornful. And if I'm choosing to operate in, in forgiveness, then what, I'm, what am I doing? I'm a man that's blessed that will bring forth fruit in my season. Thank you, Father. Unforgiveness will keep fruit. Forgiveness brings fruit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. There's kind of a heavy message this morning, but I believe it's a needful message. You know, in between services, Eric and Rick actually both thought the same thing after the message. And old, there's an old B.J. Thomas song. So, so was it somebody done somebody wrong song? I won't try to sing it, but. You know, it's like, 
Yeah, there's, a, there's some things I wrote down about what are some marks and some signs of things that we hold on to. Some of them are this. I talk to people about certain issues that they don't have the power to change it. When I talk to someone about something, I'm trying to get them on my side against the other person. Do I end conversations with don't tell them what I said because I don't want them to know this is how I feel? I make assumptions about people in situations without knowing all the facts. I may be nice to a person to their face, but behind their back, I put them down. When I hear someone's name, I can't help but think on how they wronged me. And then I continue to justify why I'm right to hold on to that offense. You know, we have to master this. The Apostle Paul talks about we all run in a race. Said some for a, it says not for a natural crown, but an incorruptible crown. And he says this, he goes, run in a way that you may obtain. The original language there actually says, run in a way that you master the obstacles. Run in a way that you master the obstacles. So as your pastor this morning, I'm giving us tools to master the obstacles that would hinder us from abundant overflow. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands. I know this deals, this is all of us. This is not like, oh, well, that's for this person or that's for that person. No, this is all of us. And you've received this message today and you re- receive the encouragement of this message and you know in your heart there are some adjustments you need to make. I want you to pray this after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that you've forgiven me. Today, I recognize those things, those people, that person that came up in my heart while pastor was ministering. I recognize I've held on to it and I've held on to this hurt. So I recognize it and I repent for holding on to this offense, even though in the natural I've been justified. And today I release them from what they said, what they did how they hurt me. I don't want anything to hinder being a blessed man. Today, I choose to be a doer of the word. I will bring forth fruit. I will finish my race. In Jesus' name. Give him a shout of praise.